Visit the Ford Fan Zone on Level 6 where there are free pop-a-shot games, cornhole, and foosball tables. Enjoy incredible city mountain views while relaxing, enjoying food and drink, taking in the game, and socializing with friends. All right, Christmas music, football season winding uh, down, basketball season yeah, eating dude. up. Oh, nice. <laughs> Bas- you know, D- Dave, yeah. one of the things that I don't understand, all right, you didn't want to include them in your games, but why did you have to call names for Rudolph? Why did you have to call him names? Why couldn't you just, all right, exclude him from the reindeer games, but why do you call him names? He's bullying. He was a freak, and I wanted to make him feel small and me feel bigger. I'm sorry I shouldn't have done he it. Finally, it was horrible. <laughs> why call him names, though? The name calling has got to stop. You're right, my dad. Yeah. The more I think about it, the more I felt bad for Rudolph. Yeah, he had his day, but going through all that grief from his peers and being laughed at and name-called, sure, right. The foggy night, the weather, everything came together, and Santa used him, and then it ended up being good. But can you imagine all the pain going through that? Yeah, but he got been unbearable for Rudolph. He got the bat lead-off, and if you're not the lead reindeer, the view never changes. You don't want to be sniffing Donner and Blitzen all night long. That's nasty. Right, exactly. And whose name is first on our show? So why do you think I relate to Rudolph, right? Because what am I looking at? What have I looked at for almost 18 years? Yuck's butt. (laughs) Think about it. Yuck's in that studio. He's a lead dog. You and I, side by side, across the console from each other. What are we looking at? Let's be real. No, no, no. There's one person that's no, running this it's show. It's you first. We're looking at your derriere, and it's disgusting. Blots out the sun. And the moon. And the moon and the stars. The galaxy and the solar system. The Milky Way. All right, the Utah Jazz are in Miami tonight to face the Heat. The five-game win streak is nice. you got to pile up wins. You don't want to give wins away against teams that other people are beating and you're losing to. So you don't want to downplay any of these. And yet, come on, let's be honest. We all look at this one a little different than we look at the rest of the road trip. Open against a bad team. Then they beat a team that's kind of in the mediocre range. Now they're beating a team that is clearly good. And I think is better than the preseason predictions and hype. Setting their percentage points out of second place. Essentially, there's a three-way tie for two, three, and four. They haven't all played the same number of games, so it doesn't match up perfectly. But it's close enough. The Heat, they, they got it going, PK. They defend. They rebound. Jimmy Butler gives them some sizzle, but they do the other stuff too. And they've, their record's three games better than the Jazz right now. Sizzle McDizzle. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I mean, it- Twenty-one and eight. I mean that—that's—that's that's an impressive record. If you're you're playing, you're almost thirty games now. Obviously, they're one short. But if you're playing seven hundred ball, you're a good team. And I don't care who you're playing or what uh, whatever the circumstances are. But if you're playing seven hundred ball, you're a pretty good team. What's interesting now is there's only two teams that are playing seven hundred ball: the Lakers and Denver in the West. Yep. And in the East. There are four, including Milwaukee, which is at their winning percentage is 87 at 27 and four. That's absolutely awesome. Yeah. So this is a really good team. There's no other way to 
slice it and you're on a back. The good thing is it's a road trip, but it isn't uh, four and five nights and all that stuff. You know, you played Saturday early evening back there in Charlotte and North Carolina and Miami is not a long trip. And I assume they went uh, Saturday night. Uh, maybe they went yesterday morning. I don't know, but they the the rest issue should not be there whatsoever. You even on East Coast time, you should have been able, and you've been on East Coast time for a little bit now. You should have been able to acclimate in your body and get to bed on time to where this. You never hear what you always hear that oh the first game back after a road trip it's like a road game. How come the last game of a road trip isn't like a home game? Because you How have come a we never hear that because you have a flight the night before and the night after. Yeah, but you didn't. That's what I'm saying. In this case, it was Saturday that you played, and it was an earlier Saturday. It was so early you Saturday. You could have been yeah. in Miami by 10 o'clock at night, for, uh, Saturday night. That doesn't tend to lead to a restful night. Miami, New Orleans. That have a home field. Shouldn't they have home field slash home court advantages in sports the way uh, Denver and Utah do with the altitude? The nightlife is calling. Yeah, but do you think these guys are that interested? Because this this team turned out to be a, a veteran team. They transformed themselves from being a young team to a veteran team. Uh, and I, maybe, I'm, maybe I'm being naive here, but I'm going to take it at value that these guys care about their jobs. And so they're taking care of themselves. And they know maybe Friday night they could have gone nuts. Or Saturday night, excuse me. But last night... I'm assuming by a quarter to ten, they were all tucked in. That a kid. Quarter to ten. Good one. I'm old and boring, and I'm not tucked in at a quarter to ten. That is a little on the optimistic side. I do think your point about veteran teams, I do think that, you know, you're playing the odds. Uh, it's not like every rookie's out running around and every veteran is tucked in at a quarter to ten. But when you're playing the odds, I do think with the veteran teams, it's kind of like, you know, I've been to Miami and New Orleans before, and I can come back later. So I, I do think the focus improves with that kind of stuff when you end up with more 30-something guys on your roster. Uh, you know, I think the biggest problem really is the heat. They're just they're good. And they've got the home court advantage. You know, we were talking— It's not we're making, that hot in Miami. <clears throat> we were making a deal out of the, you know, the Sixers were the last team to lose at home. And now they've lost a couple at home. The only two teams left with one loss at home are Miami and Boston. They're— both 12-1 and one here and uh, playing very well at home. So everything sets up. This is a big test. If the Jazz get it, um, it's still just one regular season game, but I think Jazz fans wake up feeling pretty good on Christmas Eve morning if they get this because the odds are they don't. Really? Yes. And if you do, then you feel really good. Really? Really? Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> I love the way you take one thing and just beat it into the ground. <laughs> really? All I said was really. How I am know, I beating that it. into the ground? One thing. You said it a couple times, though. And you did it with the thing in your voice, too. So that was good. Really? Well, it's a one-game deal. So it's not a seven-game series, right. obviously. Yep. Jimmy Butler's a premier player. Suppose he has an off game. Then you get the win. I think it's going to be interesting to see what Quinn does with the bench because he clearly shortened the bench in the second half. He didn't like what had happened with the bench play in the first half. So, number one, in some cases he played different guys. And then he did play, I thought, every, all the bench guys less and the starters more in the second half. And so 
the starters who played the least still played 35 minutes, which is a big night. And Joe Ingles played 39. Everybody was in that range, 35 to 39 minutes. You can do that once in a while. And Charlotte was a good time to do it. It's not a back-to-back. It was a winnable game. You know, if you push that some nights and you don't really have a chance, you're just wearing guys out. So I think you got to pick your spots with it. I kind of think he won't do it in this game. Uh, but it goes back to what you said an hour ago that it suggests they know they need help with the bench. They know the gap between the starters and the bench. And what can they do to address it either with a trade or uh, with somebody who's getting bought out? What, you know, what are the possibilities out there? They need to do something. They know that. And it's clear from Quinn's rotation. I think they will. Yeah. I think they will do something. I feel confident. I don't have an idea of specifically who or what, but I feel like they they have a sense of urgency of being able to maximize the talent that they have right now rather than they're not in develop mode, recognizing that most likely contractually most of these guys are going to be back next season too. So there's no need to like just go crazy and break it up. I'm not saying that under any stretch. I'm saying about adding something or so one or two pieces, if you can add one, if you can add a significant piece that could help your bench, then then you're on to something there because this team, it's, it's not like it, they're the favorites to go to the conference finals. We wouldn't say that, but you know, depending on when, once we get into February and get past February, the trade deadline, to see where they're at, it's not a huge leap to think that they could be even more so in the mix than they are right now particularly if Conley comes back and regains some form of what he has shown over an extended period because with him being out right now, obviously with him being out, you're getting nothing, right? We understand that. And even when he was playing, you weren't getting the Mike Conley that we expected. So get him back and get him, get him playing closer to what we all believe he's capable of. That's an addition unto itself. Plus then if you added another piece down the line, that's in my mind, that's like two additions that you're adding to the team. And you get to that point. I mean, 18 and 11 is nothing to sneeze at by itself, right? That's a decent record. It's not the Milwaukee. It's not the Laker record or maybe even the Clipper record. Although I'm not so sure those teams are that invincible to where they can't be taken down. I don't even know if those two teams are going to be in the conference finals. I can't say that for sure. If LeBron's healthy and Anthony Davis is healthy, I like their chances, but it's not like it would be the most incredible upset. It's not like it would be the Warriors of these past few years. While if they don't get to the conference finals, that's a stunner because you've got a couple other teams there. Houston. Houston is such a wild card to me. They're, I mean, they're capable of... You got, anytime you got two guys that are capable of going for 80 points combined and nobody's going to really bat an eyelash that's a dangerous team right there and let's not forget denver who for some reason they seem to be overlooked maybe it's because they're not in a you know a huge market and media size and they don't have these glamorous players who are charismatic and have a reputation of being a magnet as far as attention that we overlook them so i don't even know if the clippers and lakers are going to be in a conference final so if the jazz can get conley playing a little bit better and add a piece, they can be in that mix too. And tonight being one of those tests that you can check off to where, you know, you need data points 
as Fisdale would say, take that for data. You know, you need you need points of reference to say, hey, we did this, we did that. You know, it's like BYU football. That's what is maddening about BYU football because they beat SC and they beat Washington or they beat Boise, and then you're thinking, well, what the heck did they lose those other games for? That doesn't make any sense. Well, it's with the Jazz here. You get a win against Miami on the road, the third game of a third game of three game road trip. That's a data point that you could build on and really boost your confidence and feel great about yourself going into the holiday season. So this is a big game with the opportunity to have some big games down the road as they improve the team. In my mind, I don't know, you maybe think differently, but in my mind, they're not out of it, even if they're not the favorites to get to the conference finals. Uh, I guess they'd have to ask the question, out of what? Because the expectations the for the finals. team were all of them at conference finals. Um, yeah. Not out of it. It's huge and uphill the way it's looking right now. I, I will say that of all the issues you have, yeah, it's still hard to get there. But I, I was about to say, though, the thing is, of all the issues you want to carry into the playoffs, the bench, if I have to pick one, I mean, I don't want to pick any of them, but if I have to pick one, I pick the bench because you don't play many, sometimes no back-to-backs, and there's more TV timeouts and longer timeouts in the playoffs. So I think you can play your starters more minutes. I think the bench is less of an advantage in the playoffs than it is in the regular season, which means if you're carrying around a disadvantage in the bench, it's minimized in the playoffs. Uh, I still don't want to sit here and predict conference finals because that means winning two really difficult playoff series. Unless you win so many games that you get into one of those top two spots. If you get into one of those top two spots, now you only got to win one tough series to get there. But it's hard to sit here right now and say, they're going to win two tough playoff series, and they're going to be in the conference finals. I won't rule them out, but it's, uh, it's a low probability. But to your point, it's, How it's still a probability. Um, yeah. 20%. I just pulled a number out of you know where. That, that is a great example of Kyle Whittingham. And I, this is going to be a quote that's going to live on. Kyle Whittingham in that Monday press conference, um, 92% of all stats are made up. Okay, I just made that number up, 20%. That was one of the 92 Kyle was talking about. But that would be my level of confidence. Okay. I guess two of the six teams, I mean, I think I can definitely say it's coming out of these six teams, which means so if it were all even, everybody have a 33% chance. And I would put the Lakers a little higher. I'd put the Jazz a little lower. Um, yeah. You know, the Nuggets, yeah. I know, you know, they had a pretty good season last year and then they didn't get to the conference final. I'd probably give them a lower number. Kawhi's playoff experience, I'd probably give the Clippers a higher number. I'd give Dallas a lower number, uh, probably. Because uh, lack of playoff experience as a group, and that's usually a problem. Not always, but usually. Um, but yeah, I guess to your point, you know, to say anybody's got better than a, I mean, I don't know, would you give the Lakers like a 70% chance of getting there? LeBron got sidelined by a groin injury last year, and he misses 20 games. Now, I know it's kind of precautionary, and I know guys have lots of issues during the season, and they got to come up with something if they just want to rest him. So it may not even be Thoracic true. Thoracic muscle strains? Right, so he's got something in his rib cage, and then there's a nagging groin issue. Now, maybe they just use that to get him a day off, but you just... He's still in his late 30s, and he's playing a ton of minutes. If he gets hurt at the wrong time, they're not going. 
You know, so I don't, I don't know that I want to go above, you know, 60 or 70 percent for anybody. It's like you said, last year, the Warriors, 99.999 percent chance the Warriors were going to be in a conference final. The injuries that crippled them in the finals, if it happened in the second round, they wouldn't have been there, maybe. Okay, you got me there. That was the only way. This year, it does feel like you can come up with a scenario that sidelines any of the six teams. Yeah, there's a couple things I want to add to that. LeBron, I think, is 34 turning 35. And I think last year, they knew last year was basically a throwaway year for the Lakers that with or without LeBron, they weren't going to win the title. So if you're down, stay down because they they pretty much knew they were going to get Anthony Davis. It's just a matter of when. So set yourself up for this year. Now, when I say the Jazz can be in the mix, I'm not saying – this jazz team right now, the way it's playing, I'm trying to project to say I get Conley back and he gets closer to what he's shown, what he showed last year, for instance, right? Mm-hmm. So I get him back and I get him back better. So that's an addition, not just Conley back. Conley back is an addition because he's not playing right now. Getting him back is an addition, but getting him back to closer to where he was last year, that's like an addition and a half, right? Then you you add another piece. So I'm projecting, and to me, I think it's a higher than 20% if those couple of things, and maybe those are unrealistic things because it might be too where, all right, well, Conley comes back, but then player fill-in-the-blank gets injured, so you're sort of back to square one in that way. You know, it's hard to imagine that the nucleus, the top five guys, top six guys, are going to go through and all be healthy. It would be great if that were to happen, but certainly you want them healthy in the postseason. So if they get Conley back to playing a little bit better and then can add a piece to help off the bench – that's what I'm saying that team can be in the mix. And it wouldn't surprise me if that team, that team's not here right now, and it may not be here in the spring. But I'm trying to project ahead a little bit and say that team can be in the mix and it wouldn't be that surprising to be in the conference finals. And maybe that doesn't happen because it doesn't get to that point. Right now, the Jazz, for all the uh, issues they have or don't have, depending on who you are and, I guess, whether your glass is half empty or half full when you look at them, Jazz on pace for 51 wins. And what we were telling you about tonight's opponent, the Miami Heat, playing that you were talking, we started the segment where you were talking about how they're playing 700 ball, and that's a sign of a great team. Right now, on pace for 59 wins. And there is wow, nobody. That's awesome. There is nobody who's a preseason prediction, uh, call them online, whatever, was right. I, you know, I think Miami looks like a 59-win team. And they may not sustain it, but that's where they are right now, and the Jazz are getting them right now. Tonight, 5.30, uh, you can hear that game. It'll be on 97.5 The Zone, the Monday Night Football game, which is a good one. The NFC North at stake. Minnesota uh, coming up with uh, Green Bay. That'll be on 1280 The Zone. All right, DJ and PK, we're joined now. Andrew Reinhardt in studio from Wasatch Medical Clinic. You can reach them at 801-901-8000. And they've got a new breakthrough treatment for ED. And you were telling us earlier, uh, you know, people are working all kinds of shifts these days. Yeah. You guys have a lot of hours. You're open a lot. We are. Whatever your schedule is. There's probably a time. There is. And, and keep in mind that if you've got ED, you want to go through these treatments. A treatment's 10 minutes, 15 minutes. So um, we're open 12 hours a day. You can come and get the treatments on your lunch break. A lot of guys ask if the acoustic wave therapy causes side effects or if there's downtime. Um, 
and there's not. No recovery time, no side effects. You're not sore. Uh, you typically do a few treatments over maybe a two to three week period. We've seen, by the way, erectile dysfunction completely eliminated, even in guys that have had it for many years or that have failed with the pills. Um, and then we're also seeing younger guys that are kind of slipping in the wrong direction. They don't like what's happening in the bedroom, so they come in. Uh, they're the easiest to fix. So if you're in that category, we can likely get you back to 100%. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call. 801-901-8000. You know there are guys listening to this, looking at their car radio right now, stuck yeah. in traffic going, okay, that's too good to be true. Yeah. There are guys thinking, I've got ED. I'll never take care of it. Also, I don't know if the treatments will work. I will say this. Uh, the FDA cleared this technology in 2011 for the increase of blood flow, so it's been proven. Um, many clinical studies. Urology Time, which is kind of a big uh, journal, recently said that acoustic wave could change the future of ed therapy so the clinicals have been done the technology works we can eliminate your ed without any pills injections or surgery and we're making it so easy by the way with this consultation if you call us now we do a free assessment exam blood flow ultrasound with the medical doctor we've also got a christmas special going on as far as the treatments go so call us now totally free you can come in see where you're at there's no obligation and no cost. 801-901-8000. That's the number to call. Wasatch Medical Clinic. Andrew, thanks a lot. Thank you. And now, attention. Top of the wire on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Monday Night Football, another big game in the NFL playoff race. It's Minnesota and Green Bay for the NFC North title. Green Bay can clinch with a win, also with a victory. Green Bay keeps himself right in the middle of the race for the top seed in the NFC. Green Bay needs a win to keep pace with the Saints, who came from 14 down to win 38-28 in Tennessee, and to keep pace with San Francisco, who beat the Rams on Saturday. Seattle backs up in what had been a 14 race for the top spot. Seattle losing home to Arizona 27 to 13. Jazz game tonight. The Jazz are in Miami to face the Heat. Jazz come in with a five-game win streak. They've won six of the last seven. They're wrapping up a three-game road trip. Their next home game will be the night after Christmas. That's a late game, Thursday night. Portland will be here for a TNT game with Damian Lillard at 8.30. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Zero Res. How's that carpeting looking? Your guests will notice. Your toes will thank you. To call Zero Res for a holiday carpet cleaning, just $33 per room. Your fourth room's free, December only. Happy holidays from your friends at Zero Res. Call them at 801-288-9376. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. Kalani Sataki kind enough to join us. I was thinking back to our time there at BYU and these bowl games. We had a lot of fun events, you know, going out to rodeos, going to Elvis Presley's house, you know, had rental cars, moved all over the place, had a blast. You know, being a teammate with Hans Olsen and knowing some of the stuff that he tried to get away with on the road, does that prepare you as a coach on some of the stuff that your players may try to uh, get away with? Oh, yeah. We call it the Hans approach. That's what, uh... <laughs> Hans is over here talking about rodeos and going to Elvis Presley's house. I forgot we even did that when I went to the bowl game. <laughs> I just remember Sean King kicking our butt that year, you know, so. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to 3. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5-1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. I know we're supposed to talk bulls right now, and I hear this music, and I'm, I'm not feeling Texas. I'm not feeling San Antonio and Frisco. I'm, I'm feeling tropical. 
<laughs> Understood. That's a tropical Rudolph song. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So we have a, a a pet gripe in the media, and it's a thing that only really concerns us. And fans, I don't think get into this. Maybe a few do, but we like stories. Number one. And we don't like too many stories at the same time. And we'll gripe about it when it's messed up. We got too many stories today. They ought to spread these out. PK, the bowl season, we got a great schedule here. Focus on the Aggies. You focus on the Cougars. And later you focus on the Utes. Nice and spread out. Don't have too many stories all at once. It's time to put BYU in the bowl game front and center here as BYU gets ready to face Hawaii. A team that they've done really well against lately. They don't play all the time anymore. You know, conference games back in the day, if you're old enough to remember the 80s and 90s, that was great. But BYU's won five in a row since Hawaii wrecked Gary Croton's first season when the Cougars were 12-0 and and went out there and turned it over like seven or eight times and gave up 70 points and lost. Since then, they've kind of owned Hawaii, but this game feels different. Number one, this Hawaii team is better than most of the Hawaii teams BYU has beaten. There's that. And then also, the Cougars, you just don't know what you're going to get in any game. If there's anything we've learned from the first 12, they're all over the map, even inside a game. I mean, people can get frustrated about the Toledo loss, but they didn't stink the whole game. They led for a big chunk of the game and lost in the fourth quarter, and the same thing goes for South Florida. So when it comes to the prediction business for this one, well, good luck with that. Okay, I can buy all that. Uh, I think the line is like last I saw was BYU 2, so that obviously is very narrow margin there and then if you win by one who cares what the margin is I I just think for the BYU program what's at stake here it's about momentum of the program because this program is in a situation where it's never been in before it is being an independent and continually trying to find its way and you have a new coach and even though he's in his fourth year right he's still to a degree unproven and it wasn't until the end of this season when Tom Olmo told the players that Kalani would be extended which meant that there was a potential doubt there you never really had that situation obviously you got it got away from Croton but they were in the conference and they were able to quickly rebuild and Bronco Mendenhall will go down in history as a masterful rebuild job basically on the fly. And a lot of it wasn't necessarily getting new players, getting better players. It was about maintaining or building, uh, reversing the course of the program with the players that were in the program. So I don't know that BYU is going to just all of a sudden knock it out of the park, but it's trying to gain momentum and traction. And that's why I think this game is bigger than a usual bowl game. Because you don't know if they're going to win, and with that in mind, it becomes a nice win. You know, last year against Western Michigan, I, mean, I thought they were going to win all along. And I think they were even down at halftime, if I remember correctly. But it still felt like they're going to win this game. They're just a better program. Well, I don't know that they're a better program right now than Hawaii. Historically, yes, but right now, no. So if you can find out a way to win, find a way to win this game, you reestablish some momentum that was obviously lost in the abysmal offensive performance against San Diego State. And I think this game is critical to the 
momentum of the program just in terms of feeling good. Yeah, we're going in the right direction. We're building something here. Come be a part of it. So I see from a momentum standpoint, it's actually bigger than the game itself to find a way to win and go in the offseason with eight wins. And you can show some measurable progress the last three seasons. And that adds up to me, in my mind, making this thing an important game. Well, I agree with you, and that's why I disagree with you. If that makes any sense. Well, I agree with what you, everything you say about measurable progress. I think that the whole thing, you know, recency bias, the most recent thing is the most important thing. If you win your last game and you finish eight and five, we saw this in some of Kyle Winningham's uh, early seasons where they were up and down, you know, his first couple of years, but they finished with a couple of wins. And in those days, the BYU game was right at the end of the year. And that always counts as more than one game when you win a rivalry game. And they win a bowl game. And I think we just saw it with Utah State. I just think the difference between seven and six and eight and five it feels like a big deal. And you won your last game, and it changes the mood going into the offseason. So I'm with you on all of that. And, and that's why when you say bowl games, eh, uh, yeah. Because, and you use the example of the, the Boise State-Washington game. I mean, good grief. If you're missing a couple star players or if you're missing a coach, and you know, obviously some schools are missing both, it does throw – it's like if, if no one else is going to treat it like it matters, why should I treat it like it matters? But I feel like for BYU and Hawaii, well, it does matter. Hawaii's got a chance to say we have a 10-win season. Now, it doesn't mean what it used to mean because Hawaii's going to end up playing 15 games. <laughs> so they're going to be 10-5, and five, which doesn't even sound like a college football record to me. But nonetheless, the coaches get to fly all over the place recruiting kids. We're a 10-win team, son, and you're going to make us better. So I think it matters to them. And for BYU, it certainly matters because you can look at three years in a row, measurable progress as Kalani and the staff get their own guys into the program. You know, the first year, you're left the team you're left. And for better or worse, we know that. But the more you get into it, the more your staff is held accountable and judged on what they accomplish. So, of course, you want the arrow up. So, I'm with you on that. And the bowl games do matter, although i got to throw a few of them out because once you get coaches or multiple coaches, multiple players, some combination of that gone, it does it doesn't feel like a real game sometimes. But this one does, and I think this one matters. So I think it matters way more to BYU than it matters for Hawaii because Hawaii, with their coach Rolo, they call him, he's already built something, right? They were in a bad spot. He's come in, and he's charismatic, and he has a personality, and people like to talk to him. We see that every year when they go to Vegas and have the Mountain West uh, media days there, and he's doing something that's drawing attention in a positive way to himself and to his program, right? It seems like people really like him. So he's built something. He's on the way. He's, he's established more, in my mind, than what Kalani's established. So, yeah, you want to win all games you play. We understand that. But he's already proven that he can take a program and make it better. I don't think Kalani has proven that yet. He's on the way, and this one would be another, it's a small dose, another uh, small part of evidence, but it would be some evidence that you can add to his folder, so to speak, that, yeah, we are building something. Because, two, when you look at the number of returners, they're they're 
they're impressive. The amount of people returning in the program, there's a lot of returning starters, a lot of folks that have gotten playing experience, and they're going to need it next year because we say this, it seems like we say this about every year, oh my gosh, this is the toughest schedule that they've ever had in the program history, and it seems like we've been saying that for the last five years every season, and we're going to say it again next year as we get into it. So that's why I think that this is important because it really shows some progress, and then you can say, all right, well, you know, Zach Wilson, he played poorly in that uh, San Diego State game. He's still coming back from injury, blah, blah, blah. Well, if he plays well, then it's like, all right, he's on his way. If he doesn't play well and then they go – and they if, they, if he doesn't play well and they make a change and they still win the game, that's a good scenario. But if he doesn't play well and they make a change at quarterback and they lose, well, then it throws into complete, not necessarily chaos, but you start going, you're going in the offseason. Who the quarterback of this program? And we just invested what we thought was a year and a half or two years in a kid, and now we didn't even know if he's going to be the quarterback as a starter in his junior year. And it just adds to the unsettled nature of the program so for me i want to see them get this win and have this kid play well and solidify where they're at going forward and feeling good about it because i think they really really need to have positive vibes going into the offseason certainly that would help and i do think that for a byu team that has ridden the roller coaster within the season and even within games uh if they do that against Hawaii, they're going to get punished. When you go back and look at Hawaii's season, uh, they haven't beaten a lot of great teams, but they've beaten a lot of good teams. Uh, you know, being a Mountain West team, they beat Pac-12 teams. I think anytime you're in the Mountain West and you beat Pac-12 teams, whether it's the bottom of the league or the middle of the league, uh, you know, they open up with Arizona and Oregon State wins. They beat San Diego State for the division title. You know, this Hawaii team yeah. is a lot like last year's Utah team, I think, as far as mentality going into the bowl game. They've had a successful season beating San Diego State at home in their last conference game to clinch the uh, spot in the title game. They hadn't been to the conference title game yet. They're seven years into it now in the Mountain West. That was Hawaii's first trip to it. And nobody really expected them to win at Boise State. They'd already lost it in the regular season. So they only lost. I, I think Hawaii only has one bad loss. Um, I mean, you don't like any of your losses, but if you lose to, uh, they lost to Washington and Air Force. and It was at Washington. Uh, home to Air Force, and they lost at Boise State twice. And I don't think you really hold any of those up and say, well, that's terrible. Now, losing to Fresno, that was a bad loss. And to your point about, other than that, though, uh, Hawaii did what they were supposed to do and maybe overachieved in a couple games. And I think that, um, you know, your point about you got to get the bad taste of that offensive performance against San Diego State out of your mouth, Hawaii has played in a bunch of high-scoring shootouts. If the offense has a bad game and doesn't produce in this bowl game, I think that's on the BYU offense. Sometimes you can look at the other team and say, hey, they're really good too. But when you see 42-40, 41-38, 45-31, 59-37, there's a bunch of high-scoring games here. The defense will almost certainly have to give up points, and it's going to be on the offense keep the Cougars in this game. And that ought to be doable because a lot of teams have scored points. And the teams that haven't scored points, uh, UNLV played a low-scoring game and the coaching staff got fired. San Diego State played a low-scoring game and lost it to Hawaii. Well, San Diego State's played a bunch of low-scoring games. That's what their games look like. But other than that, there's a bunch of high-scoring games on this schedule. So if the Cougar offense doesn't perform, 
And it's probably on the Cougar offense. Oh, I totally agree on that. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm with you. I want to throw this one at you and get your thought on this. If Zach Wilson plays well, he's the starting quarterback next season for the first game. If he doesn't play well and is replaced, he's not the starting quarterback next season. Ooh. Well, the first one's easy to agree with. If he plays well, he is the starting quarterback next season. Uh, if he doesn't play well... And they got they've got two other quarterbacks who've played well in limited playing time, admittedly. And I guess the job is open, but I can't guarantee you he doesn't start. I know why you're saying it, and I can't guarantee you're wrong. Uh, it seems like it'd be open. But the problem with going with the other guys is Zach's on tape for defensive coordinators in a way the other guys really aren't. You know, you can play, and it doesn't matter, college or pro, we see it. You know, you can play two or three games, and you want to play well and all that. But if you do, I think we all have watched enough football to know, well, a quarterback gets six, seven, eight games in, can he still get it done? I mean, just this year, I think Ryan Tannehill getting a chance with the Titans, and they started winning, but nobody really believed because he's Ryan Tannehill, and they're the Titans. You know, if Belichick pronounces something – Okay, he's right, because he's Belichick. Uh, you know, and Tannehill's nine games in. He got beat yesterday, so I think he's 6-3 and three as a starter now. you gotta, you got to keep doing it. And the other guys, you know, they, they haven't had their six, seven, eight chances yet. So it would be interesting to see if they would make the switch. I guess it would depend on what the okay. problem was. But you think they were pretty close to making the switch at San Diego State, and they should have. How much are you guessing right now, and how much are you educated well, guessing? Because I don't, think, I don't think you healthy... can know. Uh, I, no, I don't. I don't know. No, I mean, yeah. there's so much to, to to be out there. But I think that what I do know is that they didn't really have an alternative in that uh, San Diego State game because, uh, if I remember correctly, Hall wasn't cleared, and Romney was battling an injury, and so they could have gone to Critchlow, obviously, but they. They weren't necessarily interested in doing that, so they were sticking with Wilson. My thought is, and Critchlow has gone, right? He's going to transfer. He's going to transfer, somewhere. right? That if, yeah, if Hall comes in and plays well, or Romney, whatever it might be, then these guys go into the off season with a firm belief that I can be the starting quarterback, whereas if Wilson comes out and I'm hoping this happens I mean I don't want I don't wish nothing evil upon Zach Wilson for sure Uh, that he comes out plays well and it's like all right I needed to get back I needed some time to get back from the injury now look at I got back you know because the San Diego State game the way the bowl plays is another three weeks removed from the last game to the bowl game and so he comes out and plays well then the other two guys, uh, they go in the offseason, all right, now I'm battling for number two. I just think that's a different mindset when you go into the offseason thinking, I got a legitimate chance to be the starting quarterback. And whoever it is, they're all still, all three of them are pretty young. They still have at least half, if not more, of their college careers to go. And I think that just adds to the incentive to make sure you're working out the best you can possibly be. So when we reconvene for spring ball, that then I can make a major step. And and coming out of spring ball, I can be in the lead. And spring ball is basically tomorrow. 
the way <laughs> you think about it. I mean, it spring is. ball, before we know it, it's spring ball. All right, DJ and PK, I, you know, I, I can sign off on that. If, if, if they do change quarterbacks, the guy who comes in and plays well is going to think he's got a great chance to win the game that, or to win the job. That I absolutely believe. But I can't guarantee he'll win it. But absolutely, it'll be, it'll be open in the spring if they have to switch quarterbacks in this game. I don't think they will. I don't think the Hawaii defense is that good. I think BYU is going to move the ball and score points. I don't know if they'll score enough points. Uh, BYU is a two-point favorite in this game. Hawaii scores points in bunches. That cannot be debated. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. <laughs> Nobody has ever said it better than Mike Thomas did himself. You simply can't guard Mike. 144 receptions. Mike Thomas is your new single-season record holder. There's a record that's getting shattered because the game's just played differently, but whatever, it's a Chevy Strong play the game. Know it today at 450 in the Big Show, and you can win fabulous prizes. As the great philosopher Snoop Dogg once said, This guy sucks. Like a sucker punch. It's time to reward the losers in sports with another edition of This Guy Sucks. You suck. On 97.5, 1280, The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All right, it's time to find out who sucked. Uh... PK, I'm going to go with Panthers defensive tackle Vernon Butler, who had a bad day yep. and, to his credit, uh, spent a large chunk of the postgame apologizing profusely to a long list of people. But sometimes when you melt down, you just you melt down all the way. And, and Vernon Butler, he melted down all the way. This guy sucks. He got into it. He's a Panther defensive <laughs> lineman. And he got into it with a uh, Mark Glowinski. And apparently, who knows where it started, but there were hits after the whistle and complaints on a couple plays. And so finally, there was some hitting after the whistle. He grabs where the video picks up. You can really see what's going on. He's grabbing Glowinski by the face mask and throwing him to the ground. So he's already in meltdown mode, right? Because that's a major no-no. And then they're both tumbling to the ground. And as he s- hits the ground and spins and rolls around, he tries to throw a punch at him. But the tight end, who separately was involved in something, hit the ground. He turns around. He just slugs the tight end, who has no idea it's coming. And then, of course, he gets kicked out of the game because it's obvious. It's right out in full view. Everybody can see it. And the fans are letting him have it, and he flips them off as he leaves. So it's like, that, that's just a complete and total trifecta of a meltdown. And afterwards, he apologized to the fans, his teammates. It's not who he really is. Uh, he may get fined and or suspended here for the final game of the season. I'm a better person than that, first of all. My apology, he just keeps going. I should have a lot, I should have kept my cool. He was in full-on apology mode. But nonetheless, we got to nominate him because that was quite the trifecta. And personally, the part I enjoyed the most is where he's brawling with one guy and slugs the second guy and doesn't realize who he's slugging. That actually happened to me in a baseball game once. I got punched, and the player who was irate didn't mean to hit me. He was, but he, he was got discombobulated. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it was uh, a runner, and I was on. I was playing. Uh, I'm on defense. I'm playing third base, and we get the guy in a rundown between third and home, right? And the runner gets involved. The pitcher is now. I'm throwing the ball to the pitcher, who's covering home plate, right? And so the runner barrels over the pitcher, and the pitcher 
is he's a, he was a feisty dude to begin with, right? And so he he's like pushing them, and it's a cloud of dust, and they're rolling, and I'm standing right there, and the runner, he's all he's agitated, right? Everything's flowing on him, and he stands up, and he sees me standing right there. And he comes after me, even though I was not involved in the actual play. I threw the ball, but I was standing right there, right? And, and those, he just got turned around a little bit. And it reminded me with Butler doing that situation. You're not sure what's going on. Now, he did offer an extensive and extended apology. So I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt because I don't know if there's any history. If you're, if you're doing it like five, six times, you know, you know, then there's a problem there. Like perfect with the cheap shots, right? Yeah, right. Uh, you can say, oh, wow, man, he got job. He shouldn't have been suspended. Yeah, but if you're on there like your seventh or eighth time, say, is it really people against you or is it you? So yeah. uh, let's give this guy the benefit of the doubt now. And as long as it doesn't happen repeatedly, all right, everybody deserves a second chance in that way. And I've got no problem with that. Uh, a shout out also for this guy sucks to the Carolina punt cover team. They were spectacularly bad. They only punted three times. They gave up a 40-yard return and then 71 and 84-yard touchdown returns, all to the same guy. 195 yards of return on uh, three punts is... I going to bring this up. The special teams coordinator is getting fired. Oh, yeah. They had shots him on the sideline, and he just looked like he was throwing up in his mouth. I mean, he was just sick. It was just 60... I, re- I was reading the story. 65 yards per punt is a... Is a they say, it's a franchise record. I'm like, a franchise record that'll stand forever on three punts? It was like seven years since anybody's taken two punts back in a game for scores, and they did that, and they were so close to getting a third punt return for a score. That was awful. Terrible. Anyone else you yeah. want to nominate? Anything else going on this weekend? Anybody else you want to single out? Uh, maybe. I, I don't think it was uh, over the weekend. I think it was right at the end. Uh, Isaiah Thomas, the little Isaiah Thomas going up in the stands. Oh, Can't yeah. We are halfway back to the uh, mouth. This guy power. sucks. Yeah. And I think, didn't he get suspended for that this morning, Two Yacht? games. Two, two games? games. For yeah, two games, yeah. Mandatory. Fans can't go on the floor. He wanted a free Frosty. Come on. Players can't go in the stands. <laughs> Bad combo. We've seen it once. It didn't end well. We can't see that again. All right. There's this guy sucks. DJ and PK, Ben Anderson, Jazz Studio Analyst for The Zone, is going to join us next. Talk about the Jazz and the Heat tonight. Right now, we're going to talk with Andrew. Andrew Reinhart, Wasatch Medical Clinic, joins us right now. A new breakthrough treatment for ED. And people have a little time off here. Yep. Maybe taking a little vacation around the holidays. Yeah. So it's perfect. But you guys are open for business. We are. (laughs) We we are open. We're open a lot. Um, And, you know, the holidays is a good time to get the erectile dysfunction fixed. I've been surprised. A lot of guys coming forward and saying, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I've been hearing your ads. I had the phone in my hands, but did not want to call. I don't want to go into a clinic like this. It is so much easier once you come in than you probably think. A few treatments, 10 minutes a piece, two to three weeks. That's it. Opens up the blood vessels. If you're taking the pill, you're probably dealing with the side effects and you're hating them. Most guys do. Uh, We eliminate the need for the pill. And I see it every day where guys can get rid of that. No headaches, no blurred vision. This fixes the root cause problem of ED, which is lack of blood flow. Um, It increases blood flow to this part of the body where you need it, when you want it. 
You said there was a Christmas deal last time you were yeah. on, about a half hour ago. What's yeah. the Christmas deal? So uh, give us a call right now. It's kind of multiple things. You get a free assessment, exam, consultation. Um, if you do want to come in and do our treatments, you get a little gift, which we haven't done before, by the way, that can produce instant results in the bedroom. That's totally free. Uh, all you got to do is call us now, set up the assessment. That's with an MD. Analyze your situation. See where you're at. There's no obligation, of course. Um, and zero cost if you call us now. Phone number is 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you.